Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, by the way, as we're uh, recording this tonight, the night before last night uh, was the uh, NCAA championship game. Did you? I know, Gene, you're a huge basketball fan. Well, you are too, Megan. Too, Megan. Yeah. Well, I'm a guys. UK fan, so I'm I'm done this season. Yeah, you, was, you <laughs> were done quickly. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. St. Peter's done you. Yeah. 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 We don't need to talk about that, Gene. Okay. Yeah, we don't need to name it, Gene. <laughs> And, they, and all those kids have transferred because they lost their coach, who now is the coach at Seton Hall. This is down in the weeds. But yeah, yep. Jerry, holy God, wasn't that? I think was, you watched it. Yeah, what we watched game. a phenomenal what a game. game. It really was, yeah. Uh, and, one of the great comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, basketball, which relates not always to tall guys and women, Actually, I, gonna say I want to see where you're going with this, Chief. Where are you well, going? Oh, <laughs> well, well you, you'll see. But uh, and by the way, even when you go to a I go, I got have t- season tickets to my college's uh, team uh, games. And even the guards who are usually the smaller players, do you ever see them off court? Oh, they were all like six, yeah. two, six, <laughs> yeah. five. Yeah. And yeah. then the big guys are like, you know, seven foot. But anyway, I heard this rumor and I, 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 Megan, I, when I heard it, I said, well, that's ridiculous. That can't be. That's, that's not accurate. And I argued back. I pushed back. Someone said Jerry Springer paid his grandson, <laughs> I consider a sizable amount of money for growing, for growing, merely growing. He hit well, some height, and, and he's probably going to get taller than that. A kid's only in like seventh grade or so. So from what mm-hmm. I understand of Jerry's grandson, he actually is athletically gifted, which the Springer yes. family knows it's, nothing about. Bizarre. Yeah. So. <laughs> there's been a mistake. No, okay, so there's a mistake you didn't pay. You didn't pay him to grow. No. For merely what growing. Here's what I did. It was right. clear. Just, uh, even incentivized as a, as a young child that he was yeah. tall. He was always the tallest kid in his yes. grade school, grade school class. Always. And he was really growing. So I said to him one day, just kind of kidding around. I said, I tell you what, when you hit six feet, I'll give you $500. And all of a sudden he kind of wells up. And I said, what's wrong? He says, you won't be around when I'm six feet. I said, oh, thanks a lot. So this is what we worked out. That when they, one day when my days are over and they lay me out, I will have five crisp $100 bills in my front right pocket. And, And Mickey will put them there. And so when people walk by the coffin and kind of say their goodbyes and hug the, per, you know, the, the body and then move on, uh, Richard has been working on how he would come up to me, 
hug me. And while he's hugging me, his hand would slip into my right front what? pocket to get his 500 tell- bucks. I got to tell you, Richard's got some competition now because now we know where it is. Yeah, I'll be right. at that funeral. But, so. but he screwed the whole thing up because he is now six feet tall. Oh, uh, did you yeah. pay him? So, well, yeah. Uh, so, so, so that, so that's what happened. What, as he was growing so fast, I realized we, this is, so we made a, we cha- altered it a little bit. It would be whoever hit five ten first, because I'm, I was, sh- I'm shrinking <laughs> my age and he wasn't yet five ten, So he was getting up to five ten. I was <laughs> good and smaller. And each time we were together, we would measure and uh, he, he, Jerry, I'm going to start betting you money. That's all I know. Like yeah, listening yeah, to this. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. But he's a capitalist, a and he's story. figured he's out. He's a capitalist. He's not yeah. figured. He's not figured <laughs> out. Go for the money. Go I for have the grandkids. <laughs> uh, Matt and now we're getting into old, old people's grandkid stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my grand and one of my my oldest grandkid is. Uh, my son's daughter, Josie, she's, I don't know. She's the dancer. 15. Yeah, she is a woman of a dancer. So yep. when I was a kid, <clears throat> my brothers and I, we, you know, I had two brothers. We lived in kind of a dorm room our whole lives, all the way through college. We, so we were always together in, in one room. It was a blast. It, it, it's the only, if you have, you know, all boys or all girls, I, to me, it's the only way to grow up. You get really close. And anyway, we had this thing where, and I'm sure a lot of families, a lot of kids play this, where it's annoying as hell, but it's called got you last and just walk oh, in and yeah. whack the other brother and say, got you last. And it becomes a competition that can last all night. And you'll So you've been walk. charming your whole life is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing that years ago when she was a little kid and I just walk, hey, Josie, how you doing? Got you last. And she's like obsessed with it. Yeah. So now, now she's 15. She, she's going to be driving. I walked yeah. into her home the other day and she walked up and, and, you know, hit me. It's not a hard hit, but it's a tap. And when I leave, she will chase me down. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I said to Josie about a year ago, I said, when I die, and I'm we're, yeah, you can't come by and say gotcha later. Oh, she is. I, and we're not doing yes, those <laughs> absolutely. So I'm gonna we're 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 good donating our bodies to the University of Cincinnati, blah 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 blah. And they cremate them and they send you the ashes or whatever. That's what my mom is doing too. That's cool. Yeah. So she, I told her in whatever container I'm in. You go by there and you get me last. That's how this game has to end. Yeah. She's agreed. All right. <laughs> she disagreed. Gene, no, we're going to talk about your family issues on another episode because we just don't have that much time this evening. But thank you for sharing. <laughs> Too, many. Too many. Hey, Jerry. Yes. So we know you've talked about it here and uh, it's gotten some pub. It's, a, it's actually, it's kind of a big deal, but after being in television for how many years? Uh, 31 years. That's a long time. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, in television, 40 years. Yeah, yeah. If you count the news stuff. The news, and, uh, 10 years. Yeah, days. 40 years. That's yeah. almost so my in, age. It's an impressive yeah. career. All kidding aside, congratulations. Yep. It's impressive. 
and you uh, have retired from that, most likely, who the hell knows, something could come up, we know that. But look, you know, probably you're retired. As you have said, you're feeling healthy and you want to enjoy some other stuff. But I was wondering, and I think Megan's really good at this too, of giving uh, life advice. Uh, (laughs) But I've always told you, it's my experience and i'm the not the expert on this a stimulation is required to be happy you gotta have some stimulation doing something yeah what are you gonna do every day yeah what the hell are you gonna do every day and Uh, and yeah what what are you what what do you do oh well i've got the um the videos of my five thousand shows so i will just (laughs) i will go to my room Jerry sends me in the food on a tray. I shut the door (laughs) and I sit there and watch 5,000 episodes of me. So here's the honest truth, Jerry. Like we've seen you in many iterations, right? Like we've seen you on Judge Jerry. We've seen you on Springer. We've seen you on the news. We've seen you on Dancing with the Stars. I think it's time for you to put out life coaching advice. I think you make a video every week of like your Springer thoughts be kind to yourself and one another. Yeah. And also here's how you dance the cha-cha. I think that's how you start. <laughs> that's how I, I would end. That me. would be my final thought. There we go. And here's how you dance. That, you know, Foxtrot, yeah. you learn this stuff. Like we yeah. can learn from you now, Jer. Oh, what about, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> what about Pilates? Could you teach Ooh. Pilates, do you think? Well, I mean, where is all this coming shower from? Bends. <laughs> yeah, well, I do knee work? bends in the shower. Yeah, I hear you. I do that. That is good because it also it also improves your balance. Because yeah. you don't want to fall in the shower. That's you know. Well, I Mickey, I help! I can't get <laughs> up. <laughs> it happened again. I need you back in here. <laughs> oh. I've fallen out of bed. Oh, oh yeah, and that was a disorder. I had a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we covered that. We yeah. hey, hey, or how to take it? Metamucil. You're very good at that too. Go. I'm contacting the company. I, I should be doing an ad for them. <laughs> hey, uh, you have seriously thought about, I, oh, and I've heard you say this, I've encouraged the hell out of it, that you teach a class at a university. At yeah, I would like to do that. Yeah, I, I something, I mean, I may do something, uh, I don't know with serious radio, or I might do something with. Uh, you should do those TED a, talks, Chair. Or the, you know, or, or teach a class at at a college on like the new college, or, or do TED talks yeah. or something. Like you really do have, I mean, in all honesty, a lot to offer people. Like as far as your experience goes, like I would shoot. I've been paid to listen to you, and I I would pay <laughs> you to listen to you. <laughs> Hey, and I Let's think, talk after the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. that uh, Sirius XM would be a great idea on, of whatever yeah. format, whether it's. I mean, just to sit in for people once in a while, stuff like well, that. You know, I'm not looking for a full time job, but. Hey, Dave, I'm going to throw an idea to you. That's a serious idea. I hadn't really thought about it until we started to talk about this, but Sirius XM, and I listen. Uh, pretty regularly to various music uh, genres. And one of them is actually the music of my youth, which would be uh, 
50s, 60s, 70s. That kind of covers the range. It's no longer on 50s and 60s. Sure it is. You believe yeah. that? No, no I looked today. No, it's on. I heard it yesterday. Uh, it's called 50s Gold and 60s <laughs> Gold. It's there. It's I got there. Lawrence Wealth. That's the last thing I no. heard. <laughs> no. Anyway. Hey, Can Jerry. you two hear yourselves? <laughs> Can you hear it? I, I got Lawrence Welk. I get no, my no, glass no, of prune juice. I sit down. <laughs> I turn on Lawrence Welk, well, and I'm doing fine. But what you could do is uh, <laughs> something uh, with folk, actually, I think, as far as being on in their music genre yeah. of, of yeah. Uh, of kind of DJing some music because that's something you know a lot about and you really love. Anyway, yeah, well, you know, and woodworking. I don't know if you do woodworking. Or... <laughs> can you can you whittle? Do you know how to whittle? Repair. Yeah, go out in your shop. But anyway. No, not whistle, whittle. Oh, whittle, oh, whittle. Yeah. Hey, I got things and I... <laughs> I apologize okay. for this because we got off on a tangent. Yeah, we've got to get back to the show. And it's made us go uh, out of order what we usually do. So now we're going to go back yeah. and, and do this second thing out of order. But Jerry's, well, we say the heart of the podcast is Jerry's uh, take on something that he's seen in that this week in the news. And there's stuff has been pretty heavy these days. We know that the backdrop for so much is the... Uh, war in the Ukraine and uh, anyway, and we, I don't know always what Jerry's going to do, but I'm just going to say what caught your interest this week? Well, uh, actually uh, the Supreme court uh, hearings yeah. on, uh, you know, whenever there's a confirmation hearing on a nominee for the Supreme court, inevitably the issue of judicial philosophy comes up. What does he or she see as the role of a justice? when the issue before the bench is the constitutionality of a particular law or act. Is it to rule based on what the justice believes was the original intent of our constitution's authors back in 1787, a view mostly held by conservatives, or is the constitution to be viewed as a living document, evolving as society does over time, staying faithful to the principles of democracy, principles later articulated by Abraham Lincoln as a government of, by, and for the people, certainly adhering to that framework, while at the same time taking into account today's highly complex world. Conservatives resist this approach. They would have us believe that that is simply allowing judges to overstep their constitutional authority, that is to say, to actually make law. I disagree. They're not making law. They're simply making timeless principles adaptable to the world we live in, which seems infinitely preferable to justices constraining themselves to words written over 235 years ago that may have no relevance to our current existence, a world that scientifically, politically, and culturally didn't even exist back then. But if treating the Constitution as a living document can admittedly at times be difficult, the alternative, the conservative side, that says justices should simply apply the Constitution based on what was originally intended by our founders, well, that approach is more than difficult. It's impossible. It's a standard without substance. You see, 
It's not just the intent of one person that needs to be deciphered here. There were 55 delegates at the Constitutional Convention. And reading the transcripts and notes of their deliberation, it's clear they didn't all have the same intent on every article and section of the, of the document. They each had to compromise their positions in order to get at least nine of the 13 colonies to go along with the final product, nine needed for ratification. The point being here, there is no singular intent represented in the original constitution, nor even in the amendments passed along the way. For example, with the passage of the 14th Amendment in the 1860s, with its equal protection clause, did the authors really intend equal protection when it be generations before African-Americans and women got anything close to it? It's a total fiction to believe original intent is a fixed standard by which constitutionality can be determined. It is merely a fanciful rationale for a justice to resort to so as to reach a conclusion that he or she wanted to reach in the first place. Recognize it for what it is. It's a cover for bias. Be not fooled. If the text doesn't comport to what the justice wants, the concept of original intent is simply discarded. For example, conservatives are quick to point to the Second Amendment for what they see as their absolute right to own and possess guns for whatever reason they choose. But the Second Amendment is actually one of the only places in the Constitution where the original rationale, intent if you will, is actually articulated. It states, and I'm quoting here, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, end quote. Now, if the founders intended that people should have the right to bear arms for whatever reason, be it protecting one's family, hunting for food, sport, or whatever, why would they decide to just mention a well-regulated militia? It makes no sense. Indeed, the only way to conclude that gun possession for whatever reason is a constitutionally protected right is to ignore the doctrine of original intent and see the constitution for what it actually is, a living document constantly growing with and adapting to the times. In this case, seeing that people would want guns for personal protection in a society of rising crime. To see this as a right worthy of constitutional protection is to be willing to dispense with this fiction of original intent. Let's stop playing games. The Constitution throughout our history has always been a living document. And like all living entities, if it doesn't adapt, its future is extinction. Our justice system ignores that reality at its own peril. Wow, Jerry, that's really excellent. It makes me think. In you don't Covington, change, you die. Yeah, yep. yep. Covington, Kentucky. Uh, I, I live in Ludlow. Megan's a little farther south past Covington, but we're, we're both Kentuckians. Mm. And in Covington, Kentucky, I think it was last night, you may have seen this in the news too, Megan. Mm -hmm. so there was a, uh, some conflict among kids, 
We're talking mm-hmm. kids. 17-year-olds. And there are four kids. One of them is very young. And that mm-hmm. real young one is in critical condition. And they had guns. They got guns. And they shot things up. And it, on your point, Jerry, that is not a well-regulated militia, the defense of the proliferation of guns around America, Sacramento, California, Ohio now just passed and got a bill and was signed by the governor where there's no regulation of guns. You can just put a gun under your, you know, stick it in your pants and cover it with your shirt and walk around. No licensing, no concealed carry permits. It's freaking crazy what we're doing. It is. It is. And we should we should figure out what is a, you know, we're not going to get rid of guns and there are people that want guns for legitimate reasons. So let's figure out a way that we can have a society where guns are, you know, used for your protection at your house, at your home. If there's a hunting going on, that's a, that's a, a separate thing as well. But to, to simply take the position that the Constitution says I can have a gun for whatever reason I want and nobody can regulate it, nobody can do anything about it, that's nonsense. Yeah. It's crazy. All we keep doing is burying people. Yep. Yep. Well, what's happened is conservatives <clears throat> have extended your point to say not only should I do I need a gun to protect my home, but I need a gun to protect I deserve on the streets. Yes. And then once you take that step, <clears throat> guns can be in everybody's. Listen, when I was purse. in HR and different warehouses and stuff, people were allowed to bring guns into our workplace. Like they were, if they had a concealed and carry, they were allowed to come into our workplace. How like, that's a very scary thing. And I have no problem with gun ownership, responsible gun ownership. But when you are able to start just bringing them in and out of a workplace, I was an HR rep. Do you know how people would get mad at me? Like, what if, you know, it's that kind of stuff that you have to start thinking about. And it's really, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit out of control. And in, has, in my opinion. Has anyone ever been to a bar? <clears throat> right. You're bar? Right. You're in a bar on a Friday night. And yep. Do you ever go to a bar on a Friday night and sometimes during the evening, a fight will break out, you know, guys will get whatever and they take it out on the street. Imagine if it's okay now to just have guns. I'm not saying everyone who gets in a fight will use a gun, but some will, but some will, and they'll shoot someone and it's not always the guy they're fighting. Yep. (laughs) It's crazy. Well, some, some night, we should, and plenty of people do this, take on the question, because you laid it out, Jerry, properly. I have two guns, so I'm, I'm not anti-gun. Uh, I'm not either. Guns, I have ammunition in my home, and it's not to protect my house. It has to do with <clears throat> my country travel, grizzly bears, and this and that. So, But I have guns, and I know how to shoot them, and I've shot them plenty. But I'm not because it's – and by the way, in <clears throat> Kentucky – Uh, And I just referenced Ohio, just changed to what Kentucky has had. I can take my Ruger 454 Kazool, which is a pistol, and carry it anywhere I want in Kentucky. And I can take a 12-gauge shotgun anywhere I want in Kentucky. Now you can do it in Ohio. So what we have to tackle is 
I think we all agree what we've all just said it. None of us of, of we three is anti-gun. Nope. But how do you, and now that concealed carry is gone, Megan, you made a comment as a PR, as a uh, HR professional that, well, if you had a concealed carry permit, which meant that you had some training, some knowledge of gun safety, you yep. could come into your workplace with a gun. Now, anybody can come into workplaces with a gun, I guess, unless the company specifies otherwise. So how do you draw lines, especially when someone is saying to you, I am afraid to go on the street without a gun? And you know, it's all the dog chasing the tail. Once yep. more people are shooting at each other, then more people feel like I got to carry a gun for protection. But, but Gene, isn't it the bad guys that take care of the good guys that take care of the guns with the bad guys? Like, come on. Like, yeah. isn't that the rhetoric? Like, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yeah. Like, that's the rhetoric that we hear. Yeah. yeah. I have you no know? idea how how we ever get this under control. Yeah, uh, I don't either. And Jerry, don't we kind of attack it around the edges? We say, okay, well, assault rifles or extended magazines or you know some of these various devices silencers a, and all that yeah, kind yeah, of nonsense yeah banning you know grenade launchers banning that stuff <laughs> yeah. but how do you stop well, somebody you can't, from having you can't totally wipe out gun violence of course i mean you know you, you're always going to have uh have to have laws which and people to enforce the laws, whether it's police or, you know, police officers, et cetera. So, but we, if we could get society to agree, let's start having some sensible legislation that is enforceable, we'll cut down the amount of people killed with guns. You know, we can lessen the number. It's just like, we're not going to wipe out disease, but if you have enough doctors and enough medicine and enough whatever- and like you can say something limit. like a vaccine, you can limit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, what, and we're going to hear from Cody Lee. He's here shortly. Megan's going to hey, Cody. In, in, in 10 seconds. But Jerry, again, your commentary clearly points out that the rationale that are that is being used for the proliferation of guns is illogical. Yep. The, the if you're going to be a strict constructionist of the constitution the it's, only it's, thing it says about guns is a rel, well regulated militia yeah. if you go back yeah. and study history we all know what that means yeah and it does it just means we're not saying therefore that the constitution says no one can have guns the con all we're saying is that the constitution doesn't guarantee you the right to have a gun for whatever reason you want you got and it right any right any right can be uh uh, regulated for a legitimate governmental purpose and well, public every, safety. Yeah. It goes with every right. There is a, you know, you have the right to vote, but we can regulate and say, you can't vote until you're 18. You have the right of free speech, but you can't yell fire in a theater. I mean, all these constitutional rights, everyone, there is some regulation to it. If it's a legitimate there's a responsibility to it. Yeah. If and, you have uh, a right, then you have the responsibility to, like carry that right. And therefore know? I am announcing today my candidacy for the presidency of these United States. <laughs> I Sar think we can do better. Of Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Ah, oh, Jerry. Well, here I would we go again. Hey, Gene, know, we'll right? travel around the state. <laughs> just you and I, we go to New Hampshire. <laughs> Let's see what works. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we have Cody Lee Meese with us this evening. Hey, Cody, how are you? Cody. Doing good. How are you doing? Hey. Doing great. Now, okay, where are you coming to us from, a friend? I am coming to you from the dining room of my home in Somerset, Kentucky. Nice. The dining room of your home. Jerry's in a basement yes, somewhere. It looks like Mickey yeah. locked down there. Yeah. That should be a song. Jerry's yeah. in a basement. Yeah. yeah. Story of my life. Well, I was so, born, I was born in a basement. Well, actually, I, yeah, that's another story. But I was born in a bomb shelter. It was a, that's right. underground. I was born underground. Go ahead. We, we, we All right, Cody. So, yeah, you should not ask the questions that you want to ask because he'll tell you the story. Um, <laughs> so what brings you so, you know, Casey, what brings you to us today? Are you working on a new album? What's going on in your life, man? Yeah, uh, actually, I've got a few singles getting ready to come out on Friday. Um, Excellent. Which uh, which will be Big Bad Love, How Does Your Medicine Taste and Fall on the Fire, which we actually recorded out in Oklahoma. And uh, we're working with a, an outfit out of Fort Worth, Texas called Smith Music Group. And they're helping to kind of push and promote. They're just really doing a lot of good things for us. And that's really what it takes in all this stuff. You know, like uh, you meet young artists and they're like, hey, man, you got any advice? And it's like, yeah, just remember this one thing. You can't do anything on your own. Period. No, you cannot. You know? Yep. So you got to be good in your heart. And as long as you're following, you know, you're, you're living right and treating people good. The universe will guide you. To the people that believe in you and support you and can help you and have the tools that you don't have. And that's really what well, it unless, so unless you're that. Gene Galvin, who's just kind of been a jerk to everyone his whole life and he still gets good stuff. <laughs> I, I can sympathize with I, I, I used to be a pretty big jerk myself. Oh, so, yeah, there's, there were well, there's no room for jerks here. <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm reformed. I'm a reformed jerk. Yeah. Baby. Mm. yeah. Can you teach Gene then? Uh, <laughs> I just I'm Gene, I kid because I love. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Oh, All right. So your first song, uh, your song this evening for us is How Does Your Medicine Taste? Tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about this song, where it came from and how it came to be. Uh, I kinda, so my my writing style is extremely lazy. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of guys that are, are friends and songwriters and uh and they're every day, you know, they have a goal of like, all right, I'm going to write three songs today, no matter what. Like, that's my exercise. I'm going to write three songs. Whereas me, I mean, I might go a month, two months without writing a song because I don't worry about just content, content, content. For me, it's like, you know, if, if there's a, a seed subconsciously in my mind of something I need to work through or get out, then it'll find its way. And if I yeah. try to force that or rush that, then it's, I'm going to just screw it up entirely. It's going to be junk. Uh, so yep. how, does your, how does your medicine taste was largely musically influenced by a band who I'm really, really into called Turnpike Troubadours. And, uh, and I guess before I knew it in writing the song and the story behind it, it, was, it had been about a, a breakup that I had went through. Um, during some really big struggles with addiction that I was going through. And uh, I guess... It just ended up being me working through that, and it just kind of found itself as a song. And uh, so I was going to throw the song away because <laughs> uh, I didn't think anybody would like it here at home. And uh, 
I was actually out at the Honky Tonk Hotel in Missouri at my buddy Jim Guthrie's house, and uh, and I was like, hey man, I'm, I'm probably gonna throw this song away, but I, I want I want you to hear it and just tell me what you think. And I played it for him, and he told me he's like, man, I want you to know that I love you, but if you throw that song away, I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, dude. <laughs> I'm like you got it. I mean that that story uh, had Honky Tonk and Guthrie in it, so we know it's a good story. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's really cool though. So like he he was yeah. one that inspired you to keep it on and keep it going, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's and my cool. wife gets mad at me all the time because I just throw stuff away. I'll write a song and, and I'm just super self critical. And if, if I don't write it by somebody else and I leave it up to my own judgment, it'll wind up right in the trash, trash. Game, so. Well, so I'm not allowed to throw stuff away. Nope, not allowed. And we are going to follow <laughs> up with you on that. All right. So we have Cody Lee Meese with How Does Your Medicine Taste? All right. So uh, this song right here is called How Does Your Medicine Taste? Oh, hey there, stranger. How have you been? Oh, how you been? From everything I've heard from everyone, you're doing well But right before me in this light I can see, oh it's plain to see That new flame you found unburned your world to hell Go ahead and wave your arms and shoot me down Tell the whole damn town how it's all my fault Yeah, that I'm all right now and you're all alone And how I just ain't worth my salt It's all my own damn fault Yeah, honey, tell me how does your medicine taste? Does it burn you like it done to me? Like it did when you said to believe all I wanted to see Damn woman, you sound so woe is me I guess that new love you found Well, it chased you away Oh, how it chased you away Won't you tell me how it feels Sleeping in that bed See, I know how it feels Cause I've been there before Oh, how I've been there before And surprise, surprise It was a bet that you made Go ahead, wave your arms And shoot me down Tell the whole damn town How it's all my fault Yeah, that I'm all right now And you're all alone And how 
it, tell me how does your medicine taste? Does it burn you like it done to me? Like it did when you said to believe all I wanted to see. Damn woman, you sound so woe is me, I'm sinking. I feel you're sinking too. How does it feel when your world goes red to blue? See, that's just a place that I've known far too well. Go ahead and wave your arms and shoot me down. Tell the whole damn town how it's all my Yeah, that I'm all right now and you're all alone And how I just ain't worth my salt It's all my own damn fault Yeah, honey, tell me how does your medicine taste? Does it burn you like it done to me? Like it did when you said to believe all I wanted to see Damn woman, you sound so woe is me. All right, hey, that was so Cody Lee Meese with How Does Your Medicine Taste? And I'm here still with Jerry and Jean, and we apologize for both of them. But <laughs> Cody <Okay>. Lee, <laughs> where can we find more of your music, sir? Uh, you can find it right now on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, I think it's on Amazon, YouTube, all kinds of places. Cool. And what's your web address? Uh, it is Cody Lee Meese Music dot com. I think. Awesome. My manager usually handles all this stuff. I'm tech illiterate, and I live <laughs> under a rock. So I'm not. <laughs> Perfectly. Okay. So Cody Lee Meese, check him out on all of your platforms for social media. And while you're there, please make sure you're checking out the Jerry Springer podcast, Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery. Make sure you give us a five-star review so those that own the internet know that we're there. So uh, Jerry and Casey are going to take you out on Down by the Riverside. Well, I'm going to lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. Sword and shield